Turn to Job chapter 15. Job chapter 15. What we looked at last time um, was the fact that um, Eliphaz begins uh, round two of the um, verbal boxing match with Job. We talked about a fighter literally being on the canvas, struggling to get up, um, and just as he's about to get his breath, um, the kind of next punch comes and uh, takes the wind. Out of him. So uh, we saw that last week, well, the last time with Eliphaz's second round of speeches. Um, and the interesting thing is this you can have advice off lots of different people, and you can have lots of different people say things to you, and it doesn't matter. But when people who are supposed to be Christians, who are supposed to be family, who are supposed to be your close friends, say something that is a, an attack, that is. Um, words that are used out of context that really hurt. Um, oftentimes, those who are closest to us, those words hurt the most. And Eliphaz and Bildad and, uh, and Zophar are meant to be Job's friends. Uh, and yet the words that they speak are not words in order to help Job, to comfort him, to build him up, to uh, make sure that he is doing okay. They are literally words to make themselves look better. Uh, and oftentimes you see with, um, you know, the, the one thing people always say when it comes to counselling is you just need to listen to people. Well, these people are not counselling Job to listen to him and say, right, you know, what's, what's your issues, what's your problems? They are berating Job and in, by knocking him down, they're elevating themselves. And that's, when you look at their speeches, that's all that they are doing. They are basically saying, you are struggling because you're wicked. Um, if you were more like us, then you wouldn't be going through um, these type of problems. And you see that in the opening uh, of chapter 15 with Eliphaz. Um, he says in verse 2, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Basically, Eliphaz is saying to Job, Job, you may as well just shut up because you're full of hot air. Um, Donald Gray Barnhouse um, said that Job 15 reveals the sad fact that the tongues of professing Christians are often all too busy doing the devil's work. Um, isn't that amazing how when somebody who says that they're a Christian gives advice that absolutely cuts you to the quick, not because it's advice to help, encourage, to build up, but it's literally just there to tear you down. I have seen Christians say the most hateful and hurtful things that you would never even expect unsaved people um, to utter. And I think um, Do- uh, Donald Barnos uh, hit, hits the nail on the head there. The sad fact is that professing Christians are often all too busy doing the devil's work. And that's what is happening with Eliphaz. Satan is using Eliphaz to do his bidding. Remember we talked about pushing the, the buttons, um, that you might know somebody that you know what their weak point is and you know exactly what to say to wind them up the most or to, to get a raise out of them. Or, and that's what Eliphaz does to Job. Last time we looked at the buttons that he pushes. He pushed the, the, um, uh, the button in terms of Job's value. And oftentimes people do that to us. He doesn't waste any time and he goes straight to the point when he says, Job, you're just a bag of hot air. Um, you know, there's nothing good about you. There's nothing worthwhile about you. 
And then the second button he pushes is in regards to Job's intellect. Uh, he scorns Job's wisdom. Uh, verse 7, art thou the first man that was born or wast thou made before the hills? Hast thou heard the secret of God and dost thou restrain wisdom to thyself? Eliphaz is basically saying to Job, Job, who do you think you are? And then the third button he pushes is um, Job's relationship. He attacks Job's relationship with the Lord. And here's the thing. There's many times um, that we wander off from the Lord. There's many times that we backslide, that we do things that are, that are not pleasing to the Lord. Um, and what we need to do then is to put that right in order for um, our walk with the Lord to be um, restored. Now, fellowship to be restored. But we know that Job is a godly man. Right. We know that Job is a godly man. Um, and we know that the conversation has taken place in heaven prior to this. Um, so Job is being falsely accused of being against God, of being, of being a bad man, of being um, a wicked man. Um, and I remember, you know, and I've, you know, I'm guilty of doing this uh, and, you know, the kids are quick to point it out when I've said it to them, when I've said, oh, you know, you meant to be Christians, you need to act like Christians. It's probably the worst thing you can say to somebody. You know, you're meant to be a Christian, act like it, use your testimony. And oftentimes that has the adverse effect of what you're trying to achieve. What you're trying to say is, look, you need to use your testimony to be a witness to people. What you're basically saying then is, is you're questioning their walk with the Lord, even their salvation. Uh, and that has an adverse effect then on them saying, right, okay, yeah, I, I probably do need to think about how I say this or what I do or how I act. Or, uh, and in the end, they kind of, people get defensive uh, because it's a button um, to push in regards to uh, your relationship with, your Lord, with the Lord or the testimony and Eliphaz attacks um, Job's testimony when he refers to him as being sinful. Uh, verse 14, what is a man that he should be clean and he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Um, you know, Job is not saying that he's sinless. Job is simply saying, what have I done to have brought this judgment from God upon myself? And all Eliphaz shows us is basically how not to counsel someone. You know, when somebody comes to you for any kind of advice, whether it's um, kids to a parent or whether it's, you know, friends in work or, um, you know, another Christian, Eliphaz is saying this is exactly how not to counsel. Um, wrong counsel supports his case more than it offers comfort. Eliphaz wasn't offering comfort to Job. He was just supporting his own case. He was supporting his own, um, his own thoughts, his, his own short-sightedness, self-centeredness. He was more interested in his perspective than he was in easing Job's pain. All Eliphaz wanted to do was win an argument. Uh, he didn't want to help Job. He just wanted to be right. Um, and wrong counsel, when you think about it, is just self-serving. Um, it's self-promoting what Eliphaz was doing. He was, again... Knocking Job down a couple of pegs so he could build himself up. Um, isn't that amazing? If, if, if we are struggling in a particular area of our lives and a particular area of our walk, it's nice 
to look at somebody else who's doing worse because then that makes us feel better about ourselves. Rather than us putting it right and, you know, confessing whatever's not right to the Lord and putting that aspect of our walk right, we, it's easier to say, oh, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. At least I'm not as bad because that then makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. All Eliphaz is doing is making himself feel better at Job's expense. Um, and uh, he's, he's actually, and we know that he's doing the devil's work because what he says about Job is pretty much exactly what Satan said about Job in the first place. Mm-hmm. Satan said that the only reason Job was worshipping the Lord was because of what he had. And that's basically exactly what Eliphaz says. Um, He repeats exactly the same argument that Satan brought up in Job chapter 1. Every every believer is going to come to a point in their lives where things are not going to go right for us. Um, You know, it's always interesting when you watch a, um, a movie... You kind of always expect that happy ending. You know, the good guys always kind of win and the bad guys always get their commitments. And sometimes we expect life to be like that. Well, as a Christian, now everything needs to go my way. As a Christian, everything should be a fairy tale ending. As a Christian, you know, all the good stuff now, because I've kind of turned my back on the bad stuff um, and I'm trying to do as good as possible and therefore good things should happen to me. So let me ask this question. Do good things only happen to good people? Do bad things only happen to bad people? You know, our motive for doing the right thing is not so that we get good things in return. Our motive for doing the right thing is so it glorifies God. The Lord Jesus Christ said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And when you let your light shine before men and people see your good works, you get that pay rise, you get that promotion. You'll get that A star for effort. You'll get that easy lifestyle. You'll get that perfect marriage. And that's not what he says. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the whole purpose of us doing good and letting our light shine. It's not so we get good things in return, even though we are blessed with those things. You know, again, the basic principle of you reap what you sow um but the whole purpose of us uh, living a life which is doing the right thing is so that it glorifies god not so that we get you know the 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 benefits from it as it were um eliphaz's mistake is that he doesn't point job towards god to honor god um he pretty much just builds himself up self-serve self-promotes um, and his counsel is a load of nonsense. Um, if you look at verse 17, he says, I will show you, hear me and that which I have seen, I will declare. Eliphaz is pretty much saying to Job, Job, you don't know anything. And remember we, when Job uh, responded, um, I think last time when he said, you know, when you guys die, wisdom's going to die with you. Remember that? And now Eliphaz is kind of, you can see this has touched a nerve with Eliphaz because Eliphaz basically says the same sort of thing to Job, you know, have you heard the secrets of God? Do you, you know, do you retain wisdom? Is, 
Uh, you know, you, are you the only wise person on the earth? Um, but in doing that, Eliphaz is kind of revealing his true colours. Because what Eliphaz is, is doing then is he's kind of saying, well, you need to listen to me. Eliphaz hasn't got a clue what Job is going through. For Eliphaz to turn and say, right, you know, listen up, Buttercup, you need to listen to me now because I know exactly what's going on here. Job says, you have not got a clue what I'm going through or what I'm feeling or what I've lost or the pain that I'm suffering or the emotional anguish that I'm going through or the physical agony that I've suffered or the, you know, the material wealth that's been lost. You have not got a clue. And again, a lot of what these counsellors say, there is an element of truth to them. Um, but the problem is, is the, is the recipient of that counsel. Um, it's not helping Job. Um, what they're saying is right in some aspects, but it's not counsel that's going to comfort Job or help him. Um, you know, Eliphaz points out uh, in verse 20 that the wicked man travaileth with pain all his days, and the number of years is hidden to the oppressor. And you can say, yet, yeah, you know, there, there is a, a modicum of truth in that. The wicked man travaileth with pain all his days. Um, that travaileth there means to twist, to writhe, to tremble, to be in anguish, to suffer distress. And pain does afflict the wicked man. You know, for the man who is steeped in sin, uh, for the man who is addicted um, to alcohol, then, you know, there is the anguish and pain that comes with that in terms of the various um, different diseases that are caused by sinful lifestyle, whether it's an addiction, whether it's, um, you know, uh, alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever it may be. Um, pain afflicts the ungodly. Sin robs people of their uh, peace. Uh, Isaiah fifty-seven twenty-one says, There is no p- uh, peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Uh, someone said, Sin puts hell into the soul, and the soul into, the, into hell. Solomon puts it this way, the way of the transgressor is hard. Living an ungodly life is not going to bring blessings. However, just because somebody is living an ungodly life doesn't necessarily mean that they will suffer pain for their whole lives. Um, we understand that eventually they'll have to answer for their sin if they refuse to accept the Lord Jesus Christ um, as their saviour. Uh, living, uh, living an ungodly life is not going to bring blessings into their lives and is not going to allow the Lord to um, bless that person whatsoever. Um, I read something interesting earlier um, about a plant that grows in the West Indies. And this sounds, there was two illustrations I was going to use and I chose this one and you'll see why in a minute. So in the West Indies, there's a beautiful tree called the Manchineel tree. And it has a very beautiful fruit and a wonderful fragrant smell. If the fruit is eaten, however, it leads to certain death. It is extremely poisonous. In fact, um, the, the Indians would dip the tips of their arrows into the juice in order to poison their enemies when they were wounded by the arrows. The milky white sap blisters the skin if it touches it. And if the tree is burned... It can cause blindness by the, if the smoke reaches the eyes. Um, the natives actually mark the tree with a red X so that people don't go anywhere near it. But what's interesting about this tree is that right next to it grows a flower 
whose juice is the antidote for the poison of the man in the matchineal tree. Uh, I was going to use a nettle and a dock leaf, but it kind of didn't really have the same. <laughs> but it's the same principle. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible picture of the grace of God. Sin abounds and leads to death. The wages of sin is death. But God's solution is his gift, which is eternal life. Um, you know, that he became sin for us. You know, the, the, the weight of sin was placed upon him. The punishment of sin was placed upon him. And by his death, we have eternal life. Um, so the wicked uh, are in pain all their lives in terms of being unable to be blessed. But then the wicked are um, also riddled with anxiety. Um, he says, a dreadful sound, verse 21, a dreadful sound is in his ears. In prosperity, the destroyer shall come upon him. He believeth not that he shall return out of darkness, and he waited for, uh, and he is waited for <coughs> of the sword. He wandereth abroad for bread, saying, where is it? He knoweth that the day of darkness is ready at his hand. And another consequence of living a sinful life is the fear um, and problems caused by that sin. Eliphaz mentions the dreadful or terrifying sound uh, that is in the ears of the wicked. Um, y- y- the thing is, with those who live this kind of life, um, nothing is ever enough. And then you've always got that worry about the more you have, the more you've got to lose. Um, so people would be worried about bandits, about thieves breaking in and stealing. The more um, prosperous people were, the more worried they were about being attacked and losing all of their goods. And he shares this with Job because these are the exact things that happened to Job. So what Eliphaz is basically saying here is, Job, you are really wicked because you've lost everything. Therefore, bad things must happen to bad people. Um, you know, the bad news of the, um, Job's children's death, the, the news of his lost possessions. Um, Eliphaz has concluded that because all of this has happened to Job, then Job must be a wicked man. And eventually that wicked man will wander around looking for food because he is financially desolate. He feels hopeless, seems doom, uh, sees doom on the horizon. But Job is not just trusting in his possessions and Eliphaz has missed the point here. Job is not basing his his whole life upon the possessions that he has because he has a relationship with the Lord. He said right at the beginning before his friends um, uh, turned up, naked came I into the world and naked shall I return. You know, the Lord gave, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job, you know, has not put his trust in his possessions. What Job is struggling with is, is why this is happening to him. If he's done something wrong, he wants to be able to put that right. He wants to talk to God and commune with God so he can put it right. But Eliphaz jumps to the conclusion that bad things have happened. Therefore, Job must be a bad person. Um, He he just um, hypothesizes that fear leads to paranoia. When a person becomes paranoid, he just imagines danger around every single corner. He becomes suspicious uh, about everybody 
<coughs> and um, fears every single person that he comes in contact with. Fears the darkness because he just believes that somebody is waiting in the shadows to attack him. Uh, Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The issue is, is that the wicked people make the mistake of thinking that wealth is going to give them happiness. How many of you remember Only Fools and Horses? Who, who can tell me what Del Boy's catchphrase was at the end of the programme? What did he always say? This time next year, we will be millionaires. Now then, who can remember what his catchphrase was when they, like, they found something in the garage and then they sold it at auction and they became millionaires? This time next year, it will be billionaires. And as comical as that is, that pretty much sums up, um, you know, it's, it's, I want to make my first million, but that's not enough. So I want to make my second million. Then I want to make billions. And you know, where is enough? Enough. Uh, and, you know, what, uh, um, uh, what, what Eliphaz is, is pretty much saying here is, is that Job would put his trust in his wealth. And we know he hadn't. He hadn't put his trust in his, in his wealth. Um, but what happens then is, is the, the kind of wealthier you get or the more powerful you get, the more paranoid you become. It's said of Joseph Stalin that, uh, you know, he was an unhappy man. He was a wicked man. Um, you know, you talk about, um, it was interesting, I read something last week about the, you know, the Russians having a, a part in um, the, the trials uh, against the, um, you know, at the end of the war against the Germans for the atrocities that they committed during the war. And this is somebody who killed 20 million of his own people. Um, he murdered 20 million Russians, but he was in constant fear of being murdered himself, of being poisoned. Um, he had eight bedrooms, which could be locked up like safes. And he never told anybody which bedroom he was actually sleeping in. He slept in a different bedroom each night and never told anybody which bedroom um, he would be sleeping in. The wicked are riddled with anxiety. Um, the wicked... Regard themselves as invincible. Um, wickedness leads to trouble and anguish. In verse 24, Eliphaz says, Trouble and anguish will make him afraid. They shall prevail against him as a king ready to the battle. For he stretches out his hand against God and strengtheneth himself against the Almighty. Again, the word trouble there is, is from the Hebrew word sar, which means to narrow, to tighten, to distress. Or to vex. It literally has the idea of being squeezed um, or smashed by a heavy weight. Uh, anguish, trouble and anguish. Uh, the word anguish there again uh, means um, straightened or stressed, used to describe a pillar that was pressed into a straight mold. And what Eliphaz is saying is that wickedness puts you into like a pressure situation, like a mold. It shapes. And controls your life. Um, the pressure is compared to the anguish and stress that a king feels as he prepares to go into battle. Uh, and it's ironic because people, um, speaking about this principle, because people mistakenly believe if you live any way you wish, then you can be carefree, you can be happy, no restraints. 
no rules, no regulations, you know, no comebacks type of thing. Um, but the interesting thing is, is the actual pressure of that life actually moulds them into something um, that will end up crushing them. Um, Jeremiah 2.19 says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. And then Proverbs 1.31 says, Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Wickedness just leads to an open rebellion against the Lord. Um, when he says, uh, uh, for he stretcheth out his hand against God and strengtheneth himself against the Almighty. Uh, the word strengtheneth here means to, to, to vaunt, to, um, to be arrogant. Um, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? That it seems to be the more wicked um, people are, the more arrogant they become, um, and the more outspoken um, they become. And rebellion is nothing new. You go back to the Garden of Eden, you see Adam and Eve rebelling uh, against the Lord. But we know that there's consequences to rebellion. Uh, we see the world being destroyed by a flood because of the rebellion of mankind. The rebellion of Pharaoh led to the plagues and um, his uh, eventual demise. Rebellion led to the capture and the blinding and the death of Samson. Rebellion led to Jonah's um, Airbnb in the, in the belly of a whale for three days. Rebellion led to Absalom's death. Um, uh, rebellion is so serious that God actually equates it to witchcraft. First Samuel fifteen twenty three for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. You know, the, the, the world is living in an open rebellion towards the Lord. Um, they don't want anything to do with it. Um, and again, you can believe whatever you want to believe. You can do whatever you want to do. You can even say whatever you want to say. If you want to identify as a cat, you can identify as a cat. If you identify as a Christian and then try and explain why you identify as a Christian, that makes the world mad. That makes people uncomfortable. Um, when a person's rebellious towards the Lord, the decisions are not wise decisions. Uh, when somebody starts ahead down a sinful path, that path gets wider and wider and wider and just leads to more and more and more um, destruction. Isaiah 30 verse 1 said, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Ultimately, the wicked's wealth won't last. Eliphaz finishes by saying, And he dwelleth in desolate cities and in houses which no man inhabiteth, which are ready to become heaps. He shall not be rich, neither shall his substance continue, neither shall he prolong the perfection thereof upon the earth. He shall not depart out of darkness. The flame shall dry up his branches, and by the breath of his mouth shall he go away. Let not him that is deceived trust in vanity, for vanity shall be his recompense. It shall be accomplished before his time, and his branch shall not be green. He shall shake off his unripe grape and as, as the vine, and shall cast off his flower as the olive. 
The congregation of hypocrites shall be desolate and fire shall consume the tabernacles of bribery. They conceive mischief and bring forth vanity and their belly prepareth deceit. The prosperity of the wicked leads to eventual ruin. Um, though they live in empty houses, those houses will crumble. Um, what, what wealth and possessions they have won't last. Crops will wither under the heat of the sun. Um, the wicked trust in riches and emptiness is their eventual reward because they end up with nothing. Just like healthy trees, they chop down in their prime. You know, when you read about people who were successful and people who um, you know, did well for themselves, and it's interesting how a lot of those you know, lived kind of depressive lives. When you, you, know, you look at actors, and, and Money's saying this because kind of, you know, we, we tend to hear more about them, people like Heath Ledger and you know, Robin Williams, you see, they got everything. You know, they got more money than we would ever know what to do with. Um, you know, they were surrounded by so-called friends, and yet, you know, for some, they were completely empty. For others, they just spent their money on things that they could now afford. Um, and it's incredible how um, there's been so many people in the past that have kind of reached the pinnacle of their careers or their lives and still feel empty and have been chopped down in their prime. Um, wickedness doesn't pay. Sinful living will always leave a bitter taste in the mouth. Sin sweetness will always sour. Um, and, and the thing that kind of, I can see what Eliphaz was saying, and when you look at him, like, yeah, that's, that's true, yeah, the wicked, that, that does happen in the world. You know, you, you do see that rebellious spirit in the wicked. You do see, like, you know, they, you, you talk to, to people who don't know the Lord, and it's like, how are you to say that? And there's an arrogance and a rebellion. And... But he's applying that to Job. He's basically saying, Job, you were wicked. Your riches haven't lasted. Bad things have happened to you because you are a bad person. And he doesn't even camouflage his condemnation. No wonder Job answers Eliphaz in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 16. And he says, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. You know, the interesting thing is, is that there will be times in our lives where people will come to us for advice. Where the family, where the friends, maybe somebody in church will come to you and ask for help. It's important that we understand when we talk to somebody, we do it in the right way. And don't allow the devil to do his work. Don't allow the devil to use you to do his work by the way in which we speak to people. Um, Eliphaz is probably, I don't know, I, every time I read one of them, I think, Eliphaz has got to be the worst counselor out of the three. And then you read the next one, you're like, oh my days, this can't get any worse. And then you read, you, you know, if he held back during his first speech, he's not holding back anymore. And he just, he just lets Job have it, both barrels. And, and what he's done, he's not revealed the heart of Job here in his speech. He's actually revealed his own heart. And he's, he's revealed the fact that his counsel is not worth anything. 
Um, his counsel is just self-serving and self-promoting. Um, his counsel has not offered Job any comfort whatsoever. And he has pretty much done exactly um, what the devil wanted him to do. Um, the devil couldn't get to Job by taking away his stuff. But I truly believe the devil achieved far more using these three men to counsel Job than he did by taking all of Job's stuff away from him. So just be careful when you counsel with somebody. Um, you know, the, the scripture's clear. If you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you have to speak to him in a spirit of meekness. Because that could be us. None of us perfect. You know, yes, good things happen to bad people. Yes, bad things happen to good people. Good things can happen to good people and bad things can happen to bad people as well. But the truth of the matter is, life happens, but don't let the devil use you to make somebody else's situation worse than it already is. Don't be a Job's comforter, because they are they're a piece of work. Um, and I would hate to be responsible for trying to help somebody and end up making the situation they're in ten times worse because I'm promoting myself instead of comforting them. Father, thank you again for this day, for this time together and for this privilege of coming around your word, Lord. We just pray that you would uh, just help us, Father, when it comes to being a help and an encouragement to those who are struggling. Father, help us to recognise the fact that each and every one of us can go through a time of trouble and trial. And Lord, I just pray that we would have the right words to say at the right time. Uh, that I pray that we would have the right motive behind what we do and say when the, those that we love find themselves in a trying and difficult situation. And then, Father, I just pray that you would uh, enable us to hold on to your hand as tightly as possible when we go through those times of difficulties because we know that man won't always have the right words to say to us, that man won't always be um, there to help and comfort us, but we know that you will. Uh, you are our comfort. You are our strength. And I pray that you'd help us to recognise that in every uh, issue and difficulty we face in our lives. So, Father, we just ask now that you would uh, continue to bless us tonight, Lord, that you would help us apply these words to our hearts and to our lives, and we'll praise you for it. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.